one of the best games of the last decade. A game that has been lauded as one of the greatest video games of all time. Today, we are here to discuss the action-adventure survival horror game created by Naughty Dog. Let's get into some very quick intros with the crew you know and love. The AAA martyr himself, Mr. Morgan Barnes. Hey, that's right, General Mountain Time here, uh, if you're freaky. And you know what? I'll die on that hill for these AAA games if they're as good as The Last of Us, let me tell you. Ah, someone's got to die on that hill, you and millions of other fans. But we next, we have the PC overlord, Mr. Hoshua Fowler. I, I was trying to figure out how to mispronounce something in my intro, but we'll, we'll just go with it. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> I think. It's, all right. it's hard to I've tell. I've already done it for you. I've done it for you, buddy. Don't worry. It's what I'm here for. And we have the one and only, the cat's lover himself, Mr. Rich Meister. I'm Rich Meister, and I think Sonic 3 is a bad game. Well, I mean, I'm sure there are so tons of fans that would agree with you. So true. My but- mentions are open. Sonic. Josh thinks every Sonic game is a bad game. That's true. He's not. He, you are not wrong, Morgan. But we wanted to get this episode out of the way now in preparation for The Last of Us 2, which will drop in May. We also are aware of how busy we're about to get, so we wanted to ensure that we gave this game and this episode the proper treatment. Just a warning. Spoilers. 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 <gasps> Spoilers. Okay. So with no time to waste, <sighs> as Ellie has none to spare, let's get into it. So the beginning of this game finds the player taking control of Joel, who finds himself in the midst of a cordyceps fungus mutation outbreak, causing humans to become zombie-like. And for those that don't know before we go on, Cordyceps is a fungus that infects hosts, almost exclusively insects, taking control of their basic primary functions, leads them to desired locations, preys upon the host's tissues until death, and then sprouts long strand-like stems outside of the host's body to release more spores. It's actually pretty wicked. If you guys are interested, there are plenty of YouTube and BBC videos available to peruse at your pleasure. But let's get back to the game. As he, Joel, his brother Tommy, and his daughter Sarah are fleeing the infected and human soldiers, Sarah is shot and dies in the arms of Joel. So right off the bat, the the game hits the player with a major gut punch. This question is more from Morgan and Josh, but Rich, please feel free to chime in. Did having daughters make the intro of this game more poignant for you? Um, and I'm going to throw it first to Josh. Um, I think not the first time as much. The first time playing through, but this, this since coming back lately, um, my daughter is like the same age. And uh, so, yeah, just, just seeing that intro the second time was like 
almost one to one as far as kind of the you know the the whole situation so it was right the whole the whole tonality of it mm-hmm. and everything it really set in for you yeah. now that she's closer to that age and that makes a lot of sense dude like i remember the first time i watched the road 10 years ago and my my little brothers they weren't quite at the age that the child is in the road but they were you know getting close and i remember i just i had a i i had like almost a mental breakdown after watching that movie and it's like when you can compare it to something in your life it becomes so much more impactful which is why i wanted to throw the question to you and morgan so i totally yeah yeah i i i was i was somewhere in the middle i think um my because my daughter's not anywhere near that age she's only seven um but and i believe ellie is 12 they stay in the game so and she's like a really clever and and (laughs) smart for a 12 year old as well i presume but then again i don't don't know what it's like to have 12 year olds so maybe i'm gonna get a shock there uh, as far as because kids are oftentimes like damn they're a lot they know a lot more than you think they're going to that's one of the coolest things i've i've uh noticed parenting um 14 she's supposed to be 14 at yes. the beginning okay okay at the I, beginning, I gotcha. think i think joel's daughter is younger uh-huh. joel's daughter is a little bit younger yes okay okay um and so yeah i would say it definitely affected me more i think it was one of the big disconnects with something for me like god of war not having like a small annoying boy running around as i didn't really get that connection um point there so this game was a i did feel more of um it did and weirdly enough i told you guys this that was the same day that uh kobe bryant tragically passed i started playing that game um and so i was just imagining him sort of like cradling his daughter in that helicopter the same way that you know i came home to try to escape all that and uh joel was cradling his daughter uh as she was dying too so it was it was a fucking dark day let me tell you um, as far as escapism goes. So, yes, yeah, I was somewhere in between Josh and, um, so, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Rich, what about you, man? Did it have any uh, relevancy I mean, or anything for you? Obviously, like, I don't have that sort of frame of reference for it. I still think, it, regardless, it's a really impactful moment. It's it's emotional. It It does everything you expect from like a major blockbuster or anything it it really gets the point across it's a impactful moment regardless of where you're looking at it from in in my opinion and that's fair yeah i i would agree with both what morgan and rich said here and it's kind of funny because the game i played before this game was ori and the blind forest both of these games have fantastic intros like starting out intros and so and both of them are very emotional and then I'm playing Ori and Will of the Wisp right now. So I was like, man, I'm just gut punch after gut punch after <laughs> gut punch right. for intros. Man, yeah. But this one, yeah, for me, I would agree with you guys. Like, I didn't cry, um, which is usually my MO when something like that happens. I almost cried during Ori and the Blind Forest during the stream when I was streaming the intro, man. But yeah, like, I, I didn't cry, but I was like, man, that's a fucking gut punch. And that was the first bit that drew me in is this intro and i've kind of talked about it on the chomp cast a little bit but yeah it is it is a fantastic intro and i think it's obviously relevant because they de- they do such a good job depicting like panic and paranoia and just the craziness that can happen um you know 
in that kind of situation and like there's no there's no like relaxing and calming down in a zombie outbreak if that were to ever truly occur that that is something that realistically would happen and it is isn't just happening to one family it'd be happening to families all over the world so yeah it was it was pretty impactful i, I think one of the things that drew me away from the game when it first came out was that there's so many works of fiction with uh, zombie outbreaks or viral outbreaks and stuff like that. I think it's one of the thing reasons why I didn't originally pick it up when it first came out, even though I heard it was amazing. Um, and, and I still feel like, for the most part, they have a nice spin on it, like you said, with the Cordyceps virus, but for the most part, it's a fairly, you could say, standard tale of post-apocalyptic um, peril. But it's uh, for me, it's just a... It's very powerful because of the artistry involved, and that intro is sort of like everything Naughty Dog had learned up to that point. Um, they're flexing their muscles, so it's that's, yeah. that's what it. I agree with you. I agree with you. Like uh, as being the resident zombie aficionado here on the um, on Sword Chomp, I would say that there's like in terms of a zombie story, there is nothing here per se that is being done that is groundbreaking in terms of that story itself like uh surviving a zombie outbreak things of that nature i don't think that there's anything new and groundbreaking there what's impre- what's impressive is and we'll get to this later obviously is the way it was told and i i like i th- i i would say probably in my opinion that this is one of the better if not best um starting or intros to a zombie game besides telltale's the walking dead which i drew a lot of parallels or a lot of parallels between these two games because they're kind of slightly similar situations in where you have a guy um lost his family has to kind of adopt this you know this young person who is kind of helpless and help them learn how to help themselves so josh made a noise mm-hmm. he went ah. yeah i, I heard it. i actually i do think that <clears throat> the the form of the zombie the fungal infection the fungal form, infect, I, yeah. it's i think it's the whole the the idea of this one kind of changing what they are over time is uh is a little different uh, with, that is true with like that the, is true the really fast you know ridiculously aggressive zombies at the beginning like just after they're infected um and then you know slowly becoming more and more just shambling horrors the evolution as, of the clicker. yeah as as they as they you know lose their eyesight and start using echolocation <laughs> and you uh, know, imagine like, how long it would take to become a bloater <laughs> i yeah forever. i'd also even argue beyond just like how unique the zombies themselves i think are um more so even than because you could say this about a lot of zombie stories but i feel like the setting of a zombie apocalypse really is just the backdrop for a very very character driven story yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and I think that's I think that's a lot of interest for a lot of people with it. I think that's why people still stick with the Walking Dead TV show after mm-hmm. nine, ten years when it shouldn't be on that long. Realistically, well, I think I, I stopped in season two. Yeah, that's I the mean, right the time to stop. I got through three. I, I yeah, but I, I I will save this for later because we're gonna. I know Shay will get mad if I jump ahead, but there is a really nice twist with Ellie's situation. 
um, that I think makes the the that whole narrative like work in a more interesting way. But it's because of uh, her reaction to what's going on in the world. But I won't say any more yet. Cool, cool. All right, well let's let's move forward because we <laughs> we have a lot of show left to go. So after the opening sequences, the player takes control of Joel twenty years into the future. A future where humanity has been ravaged by the fungal infection. Most of the remaining survivors live in quarantine zones that are heavily regulated and policed. There are also nomadic groups and settlements independent of the quarantine zones, but they are far and few. Joel and his partner Tess work as smugglers in Boston. They are tasked with hunting down Robert, a black market dealer, to retrieve a trove of stolen weapons. Before Robert is executed by Tess, he reveals that he traded the weapons to the Fireflies, a rebel militia who violently opposes the authorities of the quarantine zones. Joel and Tess meet with Marlene, the leader of the Fireflies, who promises to double the cash for them to retrieve and in return, they must smuggle a teenage girl, Ellie, outside of the quarantine zone. So. It's at this point that we are all past the exposition. We have received the conflict, and we have a general idea of where the story is going. Or so we think. Up to this point, how did you guys feel about the pacing of the game? And really quickly, without delving too heavily into what happens after this point, did the pacing stay consistent throughout the game? I'm going to throw it to you first, Rich. Um, I think I was pretty happy with the pacing in The Last of Us. No major problems. Um, the, like, slowest bit of the pacing for me is I think sometimes in that first leg it does stretch you a little bit, but there is a lot of world building going on. And I also like the degree of trust that the game does place in its audience, and I sort of prefer when games flesh out their world like this. We get a very quick origin, and then we move on to... Just sort of getting a glimpse of, like, Joel's day-to-day to get an idea of the state the world is in rather than it being, like, spelled out for you. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's—if you're really story-minded, you get past that intro section. They do the whole, you know, random news clips while the credits play sort of thing to, to kind of give you the general overview. And then everything past there is essentially a day in the life type stuff, like, um, which is some people don't like that. I think it. I liked it. I I think. I think less so than the way they were trying to tell the story there. I just I I I, I we we mentioned this briefly um, in uh, when we were talking about the game before. I think the combat's a little clunky at the beginning, and it just kind of that part feels like it slows it down more than anything else. Um, but yeah, I, I think they did all right. I think they did all right with that, with that intro. Uh, yeah. Or, well, second intro, like as, as you're, you know, prologue, used to the new I, I call world. this the intro. Like I yeah. call that uh first, the other prologue. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You all, have, all the exposition yeah. that they're mm-hmm. setting the game up for. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You end up fighting humans, though, I think, which is also kind of a, a slight, like, eh, here I am walking around just shooting humans as they're trying to set up the basic, like you said. Is Dana man Life, the real monster? He's <laughs> he's kind of going to, to make this deal. They're surviving him, and this, you know that Tess and him have a relationship, but you don't know the extent of it, so there's not a lot of emotional connection there. Um, and I played it much later, so, like, that part did, uh, like I was telling you guys on the show, like, that part did drag for me. It wasn't until you get the revelation with Tess um, in the next sequence that I'm sure Shay's about to reveal where I was like, But okay. she's a train conductor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. post-apocalyptic trains, let me tell you. No, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Rich, I love that you had that perspective. Um, that's something that I didn't really think about. I'm more on the side of where Morgan was at, where I love the intro sequence. The rest of the exposition kind of took me initially out of the experience, which is why I said what I said a few weeks ago uh, to the chagrin of the internet. But after, like, what Morgan is saying, the the test revelation is what drew me back into the game, and maybe that was kind of the intent all along. I think it is because it it's before we even get to what it is. It's important because that's, to me, Joel's, like, that's what pushes Joel in the direction he's headed for the rest of the game. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, that would mm-hmm. make sense because it like Joel feels kind of blase about the experience in general of having to go um, through this whole ordeal. He, he's like, oh, man, this whole smuggling business that we're doing right now, not the whole business, but the uh, the mission is very, very cumbersome and troublesome. And so when he gets there and he's like, oh, a girl, like, what the fuck, you know, like, that's not my, that's not my job description. And then the test situation takes place and then it really starts to unfold. So that makes a lot of sense. And I would, I would agree that the pacing after that point stays very consistent and is much better. And I enjoyed it. So, um, let's jump into the next part. So the two smugglers agree. Recover Ellie from a safe house and begin their voyage into the middle of the night. After a run in with a patrol, Joel and Tess discover that Ellie has been bitten by an infected weeks prior. Yet, she has not been infected by the parasitic fungus. After wading through and fighting multiple infected, they arrive at the location of the fireflies to discover that they have been executed. Another patrol arrives, and Tess decides that it's the perfect time to reveal that she was bitten and infected. (laughs) Ding, ding. She offers to hold off the patrol to allow Joel to save Ellie. Which she does a great job of. Yes. Believing that saving her is essential for the future survival of humanity. After escaping the patrol, Joel seeks out Tommy, a former Firefly, in an effort to find other members. So maybe I'm a being a bit cynical here, but Tess's proclamation of wanting to save Ellie for the future of humanity felt a bit abrupt to me and didn't feel like it had the greatest lead in. Um, I understand that with a zombie apocalypse occurring that, you know, it didn't leave a ton of time for dialogue or deeper storyline analysis. But when I compare it to the tight story of something like Uncharted 4, or to the rest of the game's tight storyline, even. Uh, it's hard to not be strict, I think. What are you guys' thoughts on that? And I'm going to throw it to you first, Morgan. 
Um, I I thought it the thing was there. I didn't know a lot about Tess's relationship to him personally, so there wasn't an emotional connection there. But it was I I thought a fairly okay reveal. What impressed me was just how they made that moment work because the performances were so good. Um, and like even still to this day, I was watching some videos I was editing the other day, and like I'm st- I still just can't get over how good those that that tech that facial tech and those animations are still to this day it's it's just insane to me yeah um but yeah it it worked for me i thought it worked but i i do agree like maybe i didn't know the emotional impact behind tess was only so much because their relationship was intentionally mysterious uh with her and joel but it was i guess it was implied that they were both friends so lovers and survivalists together um but so yeah it worked for me probably more than it worked for you i guess that's fair. And I like that. The one thing I do want to say as a side note, I like that they left that relationship vague because like Rich said earlier, not everything needs to be interpreted to a T when it comes to a game, leaving some things open-ended like that, I think are cool. And it allows for fans like us to talk about these things. So that's cool. Uh, Rich or Josh, what what are your guys' thoughts? I, um, I think I lean more towards you on this one, Shay. Um, the thing is, and less about even Joel or Tess's relationship, I think the, uh, sudden, like, revelation of Tess being, like, you have to do this for the world just comes, not necessarily completely out of nowhere, but it's just, it comes out as a necessity of the plot, because Joel needs a reason to be driven forward, and we don't know Tess long enough to really know her as a person, or to think that this is something she would want deep down, but, like, I think what we get is... All of a sudden, this smuggler gets a taste of something and wants to play hero, and I just, I don't know that it necessarily works for me. Right. It felt a little heavy-handed, I thought, when they dropped it, and I don't think that was their intent, but that's what it felt like at the end of the day for me. Josh? I think that whole character works just fine. Um, they, Like you were saying, the intro's really long. They give you hours to get used to Tess. Um, I kind of understand the relationship. What, what little of you get of it, you get. Cause it's like you said, it's still, it's not like completely spelled out or anything. Cause it's just the two of them talking. You, you pick it up from seeing them interact. Um, it's fairly clear for, you know, an hour or two before she does that, that, you know, she knows more about what's going on with the situation than she's, told joel um about saving the world and that's kind of the reason she even agreed to it because like everything up to that point kind of shows her being you know pretty no nonsense about getting the job done um yeah yeah and i can i can see where you're coming from i think that maybe if i went back and i played it again a second time i would probably feel a little bit differently because what i remember when i was first playing the game and I was going through these sequences with Tess, I was more focused on the gameplay and understanding what was going on and Mm -hmm. investigating the world than paying attention to their relationship. I kind of felt like it was an offshoot to what was currently happening. And maybe that was just on me and my perspective there that I didn't see that. And maybe you have a different perspective because you've played the game and now having played it, or at least that part a second time, you're able to pay more attention to that relationship. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, I, part of that is is correct because well, we mentioned this before, there's an awful lot going on in the city when you first get there to distract you from Tess at all. Um you're you're learning about 
not just the relationship but the whole world so like if you're if you're more interested in other aspects of it than than just you know the dialogue between the two of them um it's easy to miss it um i do feel like they did a good job with what's there but it's not emphasized um uh, and it, it i can i can definitely see it getting lost uh in that yeah, beginning I, section yeah. fading to the background probably mm-hmm. a little bit if you if you let yourself be sort of it's definitely an overwhelming point in the game to, yeah, to what there's you're a saying, lot yeah. going on a lot to learn right at the beginning uh, of the game so I think the two quick things for me. I think that that's. I think that stuff's fine. I guess what I was trying to explain, at least on my end, maybe I didn't wasn't as clear as that. Like her as a character, I think it's okay that she's vague. I guess what I'm saying is I didn't feel like a strong emotional loss for her, but that's mm-hmm. okay. What I, I think felt, that's intentional. Exactly. What I what about the revelation and the timing as far as the plot goes is interesting, and I'm kind of torn on. On one hand, I like the idea that. It's implied that maybe her and Joel have done some things they're not proud of to survive, and through this act of kindness to protect them, she is sort of, in a way, at, you know, it, there's like a guilt within her that she can sort of like atone for by doing Se- seeking this. Seeking redemption, in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, something something along those lines. Um, but I, I was kind of a bummer to me that it was the generic in every movie. Okay, I'll stay here and defend you from the guards. Run! Like, I wish that they would find more clever ways to, like, enact that redemption. Um, it's always, it's always guards are coming in. You guys run, I'll hold them back. And it's well, like, how many times are we going to do that? You know? Right. Yeah. And I think that's something, that's a criticism that we lobbied at Naughty Dog when we talked about Uncharted 4 all those years ago, is that there are a lot of really good points in the game, a lot of good story beats, a lot of what's happening is incredible, but sometimes they play it just too safe with Cliche, certain plot little. points. Yes, very cliche. It's like it's like a safe. top artist um, working up a cliche. It's like, oh my god, the craftsmanship here is amazing, but it's a little but, cliche. And then it always still leads you back to like the well, I guess I get it. Like a cliche is a cliche for a reason. That's also <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. and that's also true. Yeah. One thing I want to say before we move on, and I agree with you, Morgan, and a lot of what you said. I like that. I think this is one game where the achievements actually. Uh, pay off because one of the achievements in the or trophies in this game which sorry trophies is uh to, <laughs> i know one of the trophies is to uh listen to every optional conversation in the game and that really adds to you growing with the various characters in this game especially ellie of course and <clears throat> excuse me and I wish, and I don't know, maybe they do, and I'm talking out of my ass here. I don't know if they have additional conversations with Tess, like the optional ones like you do with Ellie. But if they didn't, I wish they did. Because then that would have yeah. made me a little bit more interested. And it's not spelling it out for me. It just allows that moment to have a little bit more relevancy to what happens next. But let's move forward. Uh, Joel and El- Ellie enlist the help of Bill a smuggler who owes Joe a favor, and he helps them acquire a vehicle in his town. They drive to Pittsburgh, and when they arrive, they are ambushed, causing them to wreck their vehicle. Two brothers, Henry and Sam, show up to help them escape. After, they band together and escape Pittsburgh. Shortly after, Sam is bitten, but conceals it from the others. The morning after he is bitten, the infection takes hold, and Sam attacks Ellie. Henry reluctantly shoots his brother 
and shoots himself immediately, after, due to his grief. So without sounding deranged, this is probably one of my favorite parts in the game. We get to see two different sides to a zombie apocalypse in these two relationships. Joel is taking care of Ellie out of duty and eventually out of this adopted parental guidance. Henry's and Sam's relationship is from their direct relations in that only having each other, but their bond is tight. During the conversations the night before Sam turns is when we see the characters allude to and discuss those relationships. What did you guys take away from this part in the game where they were together? Was there a level of profundity that is applicable to your lives? Did it pull you more into the game? How did you guys feel? Josh. Um, I feel like it did a good job of kind of showing Ellie being a kid um, still. Because up until that point, I mean, she'd been a little, you know sassy as a teenager or whatever but not really there's not a lot of it to experience beforehand other than like the comic books you can find as collectibles so like you know, oh she's in the comic books um but seeing how she interacts with sam um and the way they kind of goof around is just um i felt like it did a really good job of actually giving giving it more context that she's still a kid um yeah, which which yeah. is odd because it's, it's a strange spot in the story for it compared to the way most stories would do that by like have lead with that. Um, but it's it's weird because like it starts off with Joel just being so frustrated that he even has to deal with the kid. And then goes to right before this part where she's having to grow up because everything's going to shit and she has to kill someone. Um but then just so you don't forget, no, this is still a kid. Then they have this section to kind of bring you back down to, to earth. And I think, I think it actually works really well. It's, it's not particularly common having it in order it is, but I, I think, I think it worked really well. Like you said, it's, it's a really good section to kind of really, really just get, get, get more of a, uh, a feel of the relationship. And yeah, Ellie is a kid, kind of that I dynamic. Think- I think it was well-placed just because it shows the dichotomy of where Ellie is at versus where Sam is at, where Sam has kind of had that innocence browbeat out of him by his brother uh, because they need to survive. You know, they were out Mm -hmm. in the shit for so long, but Ellie has kind of been sheltered, so she still has some of that innocence about her, despite, you know, being foul-mouthed and able to fend for herself to some degree, but there's still that innocence there, and I think that it was well-placed just because that is a part of the story is seeing her lose that innocence. Um, Rich or Morgan, how did you guys feel about this whole sequence of events? Um, I would, so there's a couple quick things I wanted to say. I'm, we made a good clip through the story there, which I is good because we have to. Um, one thing I noticed in a lot of D, the DNA in a lot of classic games is that they deviate a little bit from sort of the core gameplay to have these sort of, like, sequences. And Metal Gear was a great example of this, the first Metal Gear in particular, but all of them really, uh, where you have your core stealth action gameplay, but there would all be be these weird moments, like 
the um the the Nikita launcher scene where you have to track down that that um generator or the the scene with Psycho Mantis where he's reading your mind or hide in this box and wait for the wolves so they or what you know what I mean there was all these moments where you they deviated a little bit from the generic gameplay that worked really well and one thing I noticed is that The Last of Us was picking up a lot more of those sequences from in that whole period you mentioned, Shay. There's a sequence where you step in a trap and you're hanging upside down and you have to fight off these zombies, uh, which was different and, and interesting. There was the sniping sequence um, where you climb to the top of that building at the snipe. There was the sequence where you're pushing that car to get it going and you like the zombies are coming at you and you have to like stop and shoot them and keep pushing them. so like they and then the, the, you get into a ho- you jump on a horseback later on like they do all these interesting uh variances that i think were um i like it when games really do that and the last thing i'll say is that the car ride over was one of the first sequences where i like really really started to love ellie as a character because you know i love a good dick joke and she picked up that porno magazine in the car and he was like, hey, put that down, kid. What are you doing? And she's like, I just want to see what all the... F- I believe it was a gay porno mag that was Bill's. Um, and she was like, I just want to see what all the fuss was about. You know, like a curious little kid want to see a big dick. We've all been there. And, uh, and and then she throws it out the window. And he's like already kind of becoming a protective father. He's not really her father, but he's like, what are you, don't, don't look at that. You know, but it was like... And she was just she's kind of funny about it. Like, I don't know. There was a charmingness to her character, that that sequence that uh, that worked for me really well. So... The writing is so well done in that sequence because there's so much happening and it all feels effortless. Like, first off, they reveal that there is a gay character in the Last of Us universe, which obviously Last of Us 2 has, you know, expanded upon that. But And Bill is far from a gay stereotype. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It's it, But, like, you don't really think about it. You're like, oh, Bill's gay. Okay, whatever. And, yeah. like, with other games, like, some people may be like, what the fuck? They're shoving it down our throat. But... And here it's like it's it's so the writing is so masterful in that part that Morgan's talking about because they insert that in there. They insert the fact that Ellie is slightly having her innocence taken away a little bit there. And also Joel is starting to accept the role as protector and adoptive parental guider. And like all that happens in the span of like a few minutes in one really well done sequence. Mm-hmm. I think also there's um there's two particular parts during that section that always stick out to me, um just because I, I think the first one is towards the end at the very end of your trip with Bill actually, uh where I think like again the subtlety of just kind of like slipping in these hard hitting moments are and Bill spends a lot of time talking about his partner that left, um and you're searching through a house like trying to get away from a horde at one point. And you find a building where Bill's partner had hung himself. Mm. And it's kind of a brief, uh, like, impactful moment where it's... He kind of, like, shies away. He's like, we don't have time for this. We got to move on. And uh, I I always... uh, That one stuck with me. And then the other one is a great moment of characterization for Joel, uh, which is when you're in the house with Sam and Henry uh, the night before... uh, Sam turns and there's been this moment as you're going on where like Joel has been along for the ride, but he's sort of been reluctant, you know, more people joining his little uh, caravan. And there's like a moment where they're all kind of talking and eating at night where Joel kind of lets down his guard and is just having a casual conversation with Henry and they're getting along really well talking about like motorcycles or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, just I a really nice that, moment. The actual motorcycles, like motorcycles, really. <laughs> so they're just like, I want to ride a motorcycle, boom, boom. But it was, it was cute. It was who, a, the, who the fuck had that accent, Morgan? I, I don't <laughs> Not know. A no one person. in that scene. 
I oh, also, thought it was it was funny. It was there's there's a great optional conversation, um, which I always stuck out to me is great too, is where uh you see like a broken down ice cream truck and Joel explains to Ellie what an ice cream truck yes, was and she's yeah. like, You're making that up and I'm like, the premise of an ice cream truck is pretty ridiculous is if you didn't know what happened. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, I, I in in jest, but no, I just I just guess I felt like it was like, what's the most generic thing two guys can talk about? Motorcycles. But but again, cliche but really well done like the turn and everything and i'm killing like it, you kind of see something like that coming but also it was done really really well so effective yeah mm-hmm. cool so yeah you guys feel like it was a very important part and i agree i agree i think like that whole sequence that i just ran through not just them meeting up with the other two but with bill i think all of that was very well done Naughty it's Dog, all... this is just a funny aside. Sorry, Rich and Alsha. Yeah, yeah, right. As a funny aside, Naughty Dog is really good at making houses. I, I noticed that in Uncharted and then in this game. I walked in so many. They're really good at making lived-in looking houses. I don't, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, they're not copy-paste. Like, you go in a house yeah. and it's clear someone lived there. Like, yeah, you get, yeah. like, each each of the rooms clearly has, you know, a different person like tone yeah who's even, who's even the house later was. that shay's about to get to where there's a very emotional sequence and it's like in the light of day uh, it's like it just it had like a warmer feel to it before kind of things go to, like i don't know the naughty dog is just really good at making houses for oh, shout, shout out to the uh the developers or not the developers sorry the uh words help me Help me. They love HDTV. They're big HDTV fans. Help me guys the people who create the visuals and the stuff Oh, the animators? animators? Yeah, thank you, the animators. I, I couldn't think of the word animators. My mind went blank. Yeah, shout out to the animators. And, like, we were talking about this yesterday in our Discord and um, amongst ourselves, the whole crunch culture thing. But w- whether, you know, I don't know if they experienced it during this game, but still, shout out to the animators and the creators for putting that much detail because it paid off. I don't sure. think the animators made many of the rooms. But maybe the care would the artist just the the, the uh, gaming architects possibly. Well, probably probably set dressers because I'm sure oh, that, that the, they probably have designers come in make the general level and then they probably have set dressers designers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I it may even be its own role. Like it, they may just be who knows set dressers they, just like on they, a on a movie production. They have gaming architects. They so, have gaming architects. Well, they do, but I mean, that. generally that's a different thing. Even than um, you know, the people who come in and put all the different items in a given, yeah. uh, given place. Just you know, just set designers, just like on a on a movie it, or, to or a TV everyone show. Everyone so. who was involved in the <laughs> creation <laughs> of the houses, shout out to you, all of you, because it paid off. Good work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Uncharted, all those games, great houses. Agreed. So here we have the seasons changing. Crash Bandicoot, though, not a great house game. The seasons Not so many houses. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the seasons change for the first time, and the player sees the two protagonists again in the fall. They go to Wyoming, where they find Joel's brother Tommy, who has assembled a fort and community at a hydroelectric dam. Joel decides that it's best to leave Ellie in the care of Tommy and his wife Maria. Ellie runs away. And when Joel tracks her down, Ellie defies him, choosing then to discuss Sarah, Joel's daughter. After the discussion, Joel agrees to continue to allow Ellie to travel with him. 
excuse me, sorry. Tommy tips them off to a Firefly's outpost at the Uni of Eastern Colorado. The Uni is abandoned, but we find evidence that the Fireflies have been moved to Salt Lake City. Joel and Ellie are attacked by bandits, and Joel is seriously wounded in a tussle. At this point, the developers wanted the player to think that Joel may have died. Did you think that he died, Morgan? No, I don't. I, not at all. Um, that's that. Not even in in the littlest bit. But um, I will say I wasn't super hot on that whole storyline with Tommy until. But I did like the way they you because they had to bring him back in some way, shape, or form because he was there in the very beginning. Um, but I did like how when she ran away, it, it opened up a sequence where he was in his mind. He was like. I need to get rid of this kid, people who are better adults than I am. These are better people than me. They have their shit together. They're safer. It's a good thing to get rid of this person, too. And I know she felt like she was getting dumped off, but in his mind, that's how he was rationalizing it. Um, and then she was just really hurt by that. And that sequence, for whatever reason, man, I don't know particularly what it was, but that sequence in the house where she confronts him was the only scene in the game where I felt my eyes watering up. Um, I was playing that, it was like late at night, and just the performances when she's basically telling him that, like she confronts him about his daughter, but she also tells him that he, he can't just dump her off and abandon her, like everyone else has been abandoning her, and he has to come to terms with the fact that he was doing that, and why he was doing it, and it was like a, the sun was coming in that bedroom, and I don't know, that scene just really, really worked, I, that scene was more emotional for me even than the beginning, and I don't know why. It's a really um, well written scene. It is, and it opens you me. up to the vulnerability of Ellie and kind of what she's been dealing with. You, you know where she's going, but you don't know really where she's come from, and I think that's the first point where we truly, truly get a, in, a window into what she's dealt with, you know, growing up in a zombie apocalypse. Well, and that's the interesting thing, right? When you think about that first scene where the lady sac- Tessa sacrificed her life, they don't really know what about her is unique. They just know... That she hasn't turned. So, in, and there isn't that level of risk there because you're sacrificing your life because this, this girl doesn't turn, so she must be the key. You know, they're, they're making a big jump there, right? We don't know why she doesn't turn. It's, it's, it's interesting, and there might be something to her that they could look into and study, and that's important. I totally get that. But they do. she does make a little bit of a leap that this girl is the future, you know? And, well, and I get that. It's a, it's in a, a world like this, I think any chance is like a chance that would be worth exploring like that that it, it's a big deal like by any state that she's uh, seemingly immune to the to the fungal infection yeah and the whole game you're asking yourself questions like what i wonder why i think that was a big curiosity for me i'm like why why is she curious i, was I, really... I don't think i ever thought about that once to be perfectly honest with you like that was at the back of my head it just didn't matter to me Oh, the why of it n- never mattered to me. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Josh, did you think that Joel was dead? Uh, no, no, not at that point in the game. Um, for a couple reasons. Uh, first, like it, it his his story arc clearly wasn't over. Um, and you know, for anybody else, having them die before something gets resolved is all right but for the character you start with you kind of need it to to have some some form of closure before they just die um 
not as a strict rule, but pretty pretty close to it. Um, and he just he hadn't come far enough as a character yet. So I I, I, I those you know in my mind basically no chance he was going to die um, at that point. But anyway, that's fair. That's, that's fair. the way I was thinking about it anyway. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. Um, I, I was thinking as that sequence happened and what I'm about to talk to next, I was like, man, that would have been a fucking bold choice if they had just let him die at that point. <laughs> oh, go for it, because we were about to get to some heavy shit right here, Shay. Let me okay. tell you. All right. So the seasons change again, and we see Ellie in winter. She returns to a house where she has taken temporary shelter, and we see Joel on Death's doorstep. While hunting for food, she encounters two scavengers who want her catch in exchange for medicine. James, the younger scavenger, runs to get her penicillin, an antibiotic needed to help Joel. After David, the other scavenger, and Ellie team up to escape the infected, he reveals that he is a part of the bandit group that attacked Joel and Ellie at the uni. Ellie quickly returns to Joel to administer the medicine. She leads the bandits on a chase away from Joel, but ends up captured. David reveals that his group is cannibalistic. She refuses to join and escapes shortly after by killing James. David corners her in an abandoned restaurant and starts to burn it with them inside. Joel recovers very quickly, I might add, and goes to look for <laughs> Ellie. Which, Surprisingly quick. Is that yeah, not how like, medicine works? Yeah. He's like, well, damn. That was quick. And he goes to look for Ellie, which he finds her just as she kills David. They escape the rest of the group together. Now, I had to gloss over that very quickly. I apologize. We still have a fair bit to get into. There's a lot that happens in that sequence. It's very impactful. And I think it's fair to say that Ellie has been through a lot in her short life. But the winter sequence of events is probably the most jarring at that point in her life. It culminates when she breaks down after killing David. Did you guys see this point as Ellie's loss of innocence? Rich. Um... I don't think it uh, fully goes. It's almost an idea of like foreshadowing it of just how a kid would deal with the trauma of a situation like this. But I think how much she breaks down is supposed to be like the sign that underneath it all, she is still a kid. And this is a lot. Not not that anyone wouldn't react horribly to doing what she had to do. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we mentioned this before. She'd already killed someone months ago at that point, and they made a big deal of that. I think as less to do with with that as much as it has to do with Joel being incapacitated for all this time and her being having around. to be in charge. And that is something she's not done yet. And that's I think I think far more of it is just kind of <sighs> Everything coming to a head in that yeah, moment. Yeah, everything coming to a head. She's been taking care of herself. Obviously, it's not going as great as she would like. Um, but she's, you know, 
still surviving. Um, and right. it just, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's just showing all of it weighing on her more so than like any major, you know, loss of innocence or anything. Just, just kind of showing just her continuing to grow up and all that that means. So, I mean, we all know she lost her innocence when she saw the penis in the, the magazine. That was. That was really when it all went down. Well, you know, that's when you lost your innocence when you were a teenager. <laughs> Next question, please. Yeah. I lose it every night. Um, Morgan stopped so and went back to that magazine. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know, really. It's, it's a hang on that one. Um, so I had a lot, man. I had some issues with this part. I had a lot of things I liked about it and a lot of things I did not like about this. This is the only sequence in the game that really irritated me. And I think it's because... They did such a good job up until that point with believability. And look, maybe the issue I have with this sequence is for all video games, but I just don't believe a 14-year-old girl, and Shay, you were gone on the podcast when we had this talk, so sadly, I still to this day think about this all the time. I don't believe a 14-year-old girl could have murdered all those people. And at that point in the game, I was a killing machine. Fucking headshots left and right. I took down a bloater. I was throwing bombs everywhere. Like, I was fucking a god. I was a killing machine. But the mushroom Um, zombies you were fine with? Yes, the mushroom zombies I'm fine with. And, look, I mean, video games are kind of, that's the way they are. Like, I was just playing Doom the other day, and I killed, like, 75,000 things in five minutes. They're but, demons, Morgan. Yeah. Things. <laughs> things. You know, I, the technical I am term. the Doom Slayer. They have a name. Um, his name is Dave, by the way. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where I was like, I don't know why it bothers me a little more in this game, and I think it's because they were going for such an intense level of realism. And then, like you were joking about, Joel... He gets the medicine, but he springs back to life in an oddly quick fashion, and he's almost seemingly at full strength at that Th- point. That'll you're... give you. I'll absolutely I give think you that. that was more of an issue than anything Ellie did, because they... that whole section with her, there aren't a lot of enemies compared There's to There's a ton of enemies. Everything you sit else in, in a game. boarded house, there's probably 30 or 40 or 50 enemies that come at you. That's a a, okay, that's a way undersell. I'll give that you is... maybe, maybe 20. Oh, come on. I watched Shay stream that sequence again. You defend this entire house, and then you go back into this other area where you defend this room. They're coming in from all sides. A bloater jumps in. Oh, you're talking in. about the infected? I, I was talking yeah. about the section where you fight your way through the guards. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, was... add that on top of it. Add that shit on top of it. She yeah. must have killed 50 people. Well, half of them are infected, and I don't know if you're going to consider those people, but... Well, the infected I, would be harder to kill. I mean, she's 14-year-old. She's, like, makes strong enough to jump up and take down these. I'm just, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, she's been fly. doing this for months. Yeah, she has been doing this for months because no. she's had to do it in order to keep them to survive. Yeah, Joel's trained her on it. I don't and she also grew At up the beginning of the world. game, she has to kill several people to save Joel. The part in the school I thought was more believable because... She only had to take down, like, she only shot the gun, like, three or four times. It was, like, a very visceral kind of sequence as she was guarding him to the, taking him back to the horse, I think it was, right? And uh, I felt like that was just a very believable way of showing her having to, you know, take charge at that point and use a weapon to protect him. And, uh, yeah, but it was just a little much for me. What about also the part where he's hanging upside down and she has to defend him there as well? Oh, you're mostly defending her. Oh, I mean, I, it's, I think it's both. I, at the end of the day, she, I, she wasn't doing much to defend it. I don't think that there's a lack of believability here because she grew up in this. In this, we were just talking about apocalypse. the whole point of this chapter was showing her she's having to, her to be own. an adult. Yeah, right. Yeah, but she's still 14. She's and? not an adult. 
a lot of 14 year olds could probably beat no, the shit out of me they, I, most oh, even that, that okay that's actually a fair point but um i just I, look i'm sorry i just there's it seems like a strange argument for a bunch of grown men sitting around talking about video games trying trying to pretend it's a career um, okay if you're 14 years old and you want to fight morgan Send us an email. I think that's what we need to happen here. We'll we'll just I'll kill we'll, a fourteen we'll year old. <laughs> pay per view it. <laughs> I'm sorry, but every no, I, it's just it, I don't know why it bugged me so much, but it just did. It really got under my skin. I was like, oh, now they're off the rails because then she was just based. And you know, look, there are a lot of games that do it, like Tomb Raider. Suddenly, she's a killing machine within five minutes of that game. You know, it's just all video games do it, but this one, you know, kids, come on, there's no way in hell. But did you, did you ever play Telltale's The Walking Dead? Uh, I played a couple chapters of it, yeah. Did it bother you that Clementine becomes a badass at around the same age? Does she kill as many people as... She kills way more than Ellie. Did she... Oh, ugh, that's That sounds like a problem. Did she headshot 30 infected in five minutes? No, exactly. <sighs> Look, I have to be the one that mentions the believability. That's fine. You don't have to agree with it. I'm just saying that's that it No, I'm just me. saying that's it's a... a strange thing to point out here. Cause it's it's not... a weird thing to nitpick. Yeah, it's no, not it, any that's, that's worse here than anywhere else. And as far as inside the game's logic, it doesn't stand out. That's why it's so strange that it somehow stood out to you. It, Agreed. it very much stood out to me because, you know, you're like hunting a little a deer and then suddenly I'm slaughtering more people than I ever slaughtered with Joel. And I'm just I'm sorry, you can't just say, oh, it's winter. She's been surviving and now she's a killing machine. That's not good enough for me. But here, here's another thing. I don't think that she's a killing machine thought ever even crossed my mind. Like, well, there's like a, no point where Ellie it looks was a like that. I, well, maybe I was just really good at the game. I don't know. Yeah, even if you my, are, there's, there's not the I situation that covers that. <laughs> my Ellie was a killing machine. There's, there's, I, and she just was. But um, I think it's just because the game did such a good job with realism, more so than a lot of games tend to. Even even the, the nature of what the combat was trying to do is based around simplicity, but more realistic, more visceral. So I think that's probably why it bothered me more. I, You know, and we can move on after this, because the, the <laughs> and I'll say my piece on the original question. Um... To me, when I when she's killing all those infected with David, what I took that as is two things. One, they have to kill all those infected or they're going to fucking die. And it, the flight or fight response really kicks in at those moments. So uh, to me, it was more believable than not. And also, when she's killing all those, I took that as David kind of taking a step back and watching what she does like obviously he's clearly trying to help her and he's clearly trying to survive as well but at the same time it felt like i'm gonna kind of sit back and watch if this is the same girl that slaughtered all my you know bandit friends at the university and that's kind of bandit university yeah at at bandit university but you would be shot like three or four dudes so it was very yeah, anyways, we'll move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing I do want to say is, to me, I feel like this was kind of the the point where it was like her innocence is starting to go. And it's really starting to go in the sequence. And I don't know if you guys got this implication there, but I got this implication that David, like, if he got his hands on her, that he would not just beat the shit out of her, that he would not just possibly execute her and or eat her but 
I felt like there was slight implica- implications without coming out directly to say it that he was going to rape her too. I well, I think you definitely get that vibe. Like he's the one who's like, oh, I'm trying to you know let them let you come into the, the group or whatever. It's not overly explicit. I well, don't nah. think. No, I but think I think it's left open to interpretation. Right. I, don't I think, think that's even so much that's why it bothered her as well. Left open to interpretation. I think it's more that he's going to do it, but he doesn't think he's going to do it because like you can. You you get that from him an awful lot. Like, oh no, I'm helping you. Yeah, he thinks with he's my a hero. magical penis. Uh, yeah. he's just he's that sort of douchebag. Um, and like he's just well, he's also a cannibal, so it doesn't well, take much exactly, of a push for you to exactly. think he's a terrible, like, terrible The alternative person. is will yeah. kill and eat you. So in his mind, like that's just a Tuesday for him. So exactly. how is this outrageous? Um, and yeah. I think that's what yeah. makes him such a creepy character. Right. I, I hate to say it, but I imagine rape in that world is such a common thing that it's just, you know. No, I mean, I, I think yeah, that, no, I think that is absolutely true. I mean, like, you lose all kind of human sensibilities at that point, and it's, it's like, I, I got to take what I want or be eaten or lose out to someone else in the process. And that's, well, and that's, yeah. kind of, that's kind of the compelling nature of a zombie apocalypse in some way is, like, do we lose our humanity or do we revert to our more primal instincts? Because I guarantee you, um, you know, further down our evolutionary history of the human being, that there were probably some <laughs> subsects that would just rape whenever they wanted to, and that's and that's the reality of our human evolutionary history. And we can be aware of it. We cannot. We can say, you know, not necessarily that was the right thing to do, but that's what happened at the time. We don't condone it, but we acknowledge that's what happened. And that's the again the compelling nature of a zombie We're capable apocalypse. of a higher thought process now, and like determining right from wrong so, so we think so we think until we something like, like to this. think right until something like this happens and that's why for me a zombie apocalypse story has always been so compelling because we look at the essence of who we are and do we lose that when something like this happens and i think this is kind of what ellie ends up coming to and this is what everything kind of culminates to in the scene is she might have been raped. She might have been eaten. She was pro- proposed the prospect of joining this group of eating people in order to survive. She's been having to survive for months without her guide, uh, her guidance. You know, she's had to protect the protector. She's had to survive. She's had to provide them with food. She's had to search for medicine. All this shit. Comes she did a lot winged. of growing up in a she short did. time. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think I think that's why the sequence afterward I liked so much because it showed more of the restraint I was looking for. Because when you get into that like boss fight with uh what's his name? David. David, um, yeah. He it was more along the lines of what I was looking for. Like, okay, let's make this realistic. You it you have to creep around that room and take him down several times and then you crawl up to him, and you see her just unleash and attack him in the face, and and it's, and that was her moment of just sort of losing it. And I'm like this was the more of the natural progression I was looking for uh, in between, you know, <laughs> murdering all the people I did in the last section. Is like It was like they were like, okay, let's slow this down. She can't just kill this guy right away. It would take three or four, you know, attacks, and then they'd have this little tussle on the ground. I was like, yes, and that's it. I, that's, I, I, that's exactly what I wanted. I think I get, like, I understand what you're trying to say, Morgan. It's just I think I'm more used to it in the fact of in video games as a medium – for that issue in particular, it requires a very specific 
degree of suspension of disbelief that I am I just okay with at this point. Well, that's in my why life. I still think I yeah. still love the well, game. It's not like the end of the world. It's just a video game. Problem. I mean, technically, it is the end of the world. I I just feel like they did such a good job of surmounting that issue up until this point. Now, why is it fair for me to believe that Joel can kill all those people so easily? They did, though. I mean, that's like, kind yeah. of the issue to me. You don't think they did? I mean, yeah, because like he does. He kills tons of people. I mean, just just trying to get their guns back at the very beginning of the game, you kill what like three, four dozen guards trying to get guns back. It's... Maybe it's because I took more of a stealthy approach. I never really felt like I was that sort of a, a thing. But yes, that's a fair thing. Like, why is it more... Maybe it's because there was a child. Maybe it's because there was a child involved that the suspension... Yeah. You know? I have a child! I don't know. One that's fair. Things. That's fair. So, do me a favor really quick. Remember this yeah. idea of loss of innocence with Ellie and this whole sequence of events, as I'm going to reference it here very shortly. Just keep it in the back of your mind, both the listener and you guys, because it... it plays into what is about to happen and what i ask you guys here shortly so spring rolls around and the two wind up in salt lake city as they try to enter the city ellie confronts her fear of swimming and water but almost drowns in the process joel and an unconscious ellie are captured by a group of fireflies inside the hospital marlene informs joel that ellie is being prepared for surgery using her as a vaccine against the virus. But they must remove the infected part of her brain, which would kill her. Not pleased with that result, Joel fights his way through the hospital into the surgery ward, killing dozens of fireflies. He finds Ellie on the operating table, but the surgery hasn't started. He executes a doctor and escapes into an elevator with an unconscious Ellie. Marlene is waiting for them in the parking garage. After an unsuccessful attempt at convincing Joel, Marlene is shot and killed by him. Goddamn right. As they are driving out of the city, Ellie wakes up. Joel informs her that the Fireflies have found many other immune people, but they were not successful in finding a cure. So they stopped trying to find one. They drove back to Tommy's settlement where Ellie questions Joel's story. He swears it is true. And the game ends with Ellie saying, "Okay." So during the winter, I saw that as the first time we see Ellie completely betrayed by someone she was forced to put her trust in to survive, and that's in reference to David. Do you think that this influenced her trepidation? as she questioned Joel about the accuracy of his story at the end of the game? Or was it her survivor guilt? Josh. Survivor guilt. Yes. Face. If I could just get Josh's face on a postcard. <laughs> um, yes. I don't see what that has to do with anything here, but that's... Um, uh... I guess I guess what I'm saying is like the survivor guilt led her to question because she doesn't want to believe that basically that there's nothing that she could do. They just took this journey across America through and, yeah. hundreds and hundreds of infected and she couldn't and, do anything. Right. All right. I mean, yeah, I guess that's kind of what's going on. It seems like a strange way to phrase it just because 
no I was one, trying to no one died, died. It's just that she couldn't, you know, save. Yeah, I, I just don't know that. I, I, um, I agree. I don't know but if anyway, I build a survivor guilt. Um, I put, I, 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 I try to paraphrase as much as okay. possible because no, I know I, that I, this I get what is you're a saying. long, it's, uh, long episode. Yeah, it, I, I get what you're saying though, but um, I think it had less to do with that and more to do with just Joel has lied to her before to try to you know, protect her feelings. And it seems like, Oh, all of a sudden all of our plans changed. And it sure is convenient that, um, there was nothing else I could, it's, it's, yeah, I, just, I, I don't take that at a sir believing him at all at the end, but just, you know, there's no reason to push it. Like it's, this is just kind of where she is now. Um, so just kind of accepting that, yeah, that just accepting what that. she's been giving. Mm-hmm. Well, she, she didn't know that they were going to kill her, right? She didn't know what was going on. She um, was unconscious, and she was pumped full of uh, sedatives during that time. So, she, yeah, she doesn't truly know what just happened. Like, essentially, she was unconscious from this flowing uh, water, and then suddenly she wakes up to her knowledge in the back of a truck with a you know ho- um hospital gown on and she's like what the fuck just happened well yeah it's unclear if like she if, if they resuscitated her and she came to and they walked around talked to her or yeah, i don't think I, they do since I think you're they not put really her following her at that point it is there's vague. there's some unknown information but it, it's kind of a... Because it, it's kind of assumed that she didn't really gain consciousness to... yet back until you see her next. Um, I, I've uh, also considered that she always knew from the beginning she would have to that die. She was, yeah, because it seems and like that a she strange was thing. Keeping it to spare Joel's feelings. Yeah, yes. she could have known from the beginning. Is the thing like that part is also not brought up. We don't really know how much information she how, had yeah, about yeah. the whole procedure. Yes, that's true. Um, that's why the sequel could be but it's just like one of those things where it's like whatever happened or I got the impression that they gave her uh, you know CPR to bring her back to life got the water out of her you know kind of walked her around or whatever he came to I got the feeling that they sort of assimilated her in told her they were going to put her under and all that stuff but that's irrelevant the point is um, once Joel knew that they were just basically what they were doing there was fucked up because they were just basically killing people and hoping they'd find something that would help them, but they weren't really making a lot of progress is what was implied. They were just like, well, you know, we every time we get to try an experiment on someone like this, if we meet them, I don't know if it was implied that she was the only one or if they were few and far between, but... Um, I think the implication is she's the only one right. they've encountered because, like this. Yes. Because the idea that they would kill her if she was the only one straight away right to kill her seems a little drastic well um, the infection's in her brain so know, there's no way I to know. extract it without killing her and i guess they'd have to but like wouldn't you want to observe i don't know i would just think maybe they'd observe her or find other well, sort of did stuff you, to do did you listen to the audio logs that marlene makes that are in the hospital because if you listen to all of those it kind of tells the story of her being like well we're waiting for the girl. Oh, she came. Oh, fuck. I'm going to have to kill her. I don't really want to do that, but we don't really have a choice. It oh. like it so, tells right. this story that leads if, up to If that. I'm not mistaken, in one of the last ones, she even says, like, she's like, so I agreed to do the procedure, but they would have gone forward with or without my permission, so it hardly yeah. matters. Right. Exactly. That's fine. Right. I can, so, I can yeah, swallow so then, that. Yeah. yeah. Ellie didn't know that extent of what she was signing yeah, up for. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And would she, like, it's, would a 14-year-old have the wherewithal to be like, it's okay, kill me, it's worth it, if I think it could help? Not even that it will help, it could help. Right. I just don't think they were willing to put the option in her hands. They weren't willing to, in their mind, mm-hmm. put the yeah. fate of the world in the decision of a 14-year-old girl. Exactly. But that's why when it, that when he lies to her, it makes that, that conversation interesting because you're like, would she be upset or would she understand? You know? Well, no, that's... And, and she's had a lot of growth, too, so it's yeah. possible that at that point she is of the mindset that she would have given herself of it. That's what it took. Yeah, I think that's... That's, I think, why the end works is because she obviously doesn't believe him there like she she knows something happened there's a, some reason she's not going his story doesn't add up his story doesn't add up but also it's showing how instead of lying to make his life easier like he has every other time so far he tells her this lie so it's not weighing on her that you know because you know obviously he didn't was he was being Selfish by wanting to, you know, not have her die. But he didn't. He didn't didn't want her to have to deal with that knowledge, the weight of his decision. Yeah, Yeah. that survivor guilt that Shay talked about that everyone made fun of him for. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Hey, Morgan, thanks for defending me. (laughs) I don't know that we made fun of it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's all playful. Um, No, I agree. I agree. Okay. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it, I, I would say this, and I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. I think the most interesting thing this made me think about was, like, if it was just me and my daughter and nobody else in the world, I don't give a fuck. There's no way in hell that I, even if my daughter could potentially save the world, there's no way in hell any parent would do that. You nope. know, you, there's just not, not that's, zero. That's the classic philosophical question right there. I can't remember, can't remember what it's specifically called, but it's like this scenario where, yeah. like, do you sacrifice <laughs> the few to save the many, or do you sacrifice the many to save the few? You know, at the end of the day, that's... But would you, you kill know, your Josh, mother you to save your sister's face. life? <laughs> oh, no. No? Is it really... F- Never mind. <laughs> I, I See, that's the thing, Shay. I always think about that question. I don't think it's that philosophical. I, I think it's interesting, because I don't think that anyone would do the opposite. I God damn it, I don't want you I don't think that anyone would sacrifice their kid for yeah, the Yeah, it's totally good. not philosophy. No. I, no. I, it's not like there are whole semesters taught on the trolley problem. I just don't I just don't we'll, think we'll, that anyway. we'll save this whole conversation for the uh gas station philosophy episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That we're about I'll to record after don't, this. Don't spoil my new podcast, that's not philosophy with Morgan Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not philosophy. I just imagine that's his catchphrase. That's not philosophy. But anyways, uh, let's While move describing on. philosophy exactly. Yes. All right. So we discussed it on the Chompcast fairly lengthily last week. Uh, but I want us to build towards lengthily towards a definitive answer. <laughs> lengthily. Did the Last like of it. Us lengthily set the Pleasure. bar? Seriously, okay. Did The Last of Us set the bar for the way game stories are told in the present? Yes or no? Rich. I don't know about setting the bar. Um, I think it definitely... Yes or no, Rich? Okay, uh, no. Thank you. Morgan. Ah. <sighs> I feel like ah fuck what's it? no because yes be or Red no Dead. Morgan yes Red or Dead, no Morgan <laughs> Red Dead said the no point. it didn't 
<laughs> Seriously though, what's your answer? You'd have to finish Red Dead to know, Josh. Um, no, I, I wouldn't. I do. That's that's such an insane yes thing. Yes or to no? Ask. I don't. You can't do that to I me. I did, and I can, and I did because I did, you did it to, it to Rich. me, and I was unhappy about it. So I you think I didn't want I to promise like explain I'm going to give more? you guys an explanation afterwards. Just okay, trust okay. Me. I will say this. I would have yes said Uncharted. Or no. That sounds like but a no. Let's move on. Okay. Okay, Josh. No. Okay. <laughs> Why? If wow, not, that was easy. That wow, it was. If not, what? And this is why I wanted you guys to answer. Thank you, what Josh. other example could you provide? Morgan, go ahead. <laughs> Don't go I'm to just going to turn off my headset for this. R- part. Rich, you go first. You go first. Okay. Um, I don't know that I have another example. Um. Just because in in how varied games are, I don't think anything really sets a a bar. Um, I think this definitely opened up an avenue uh, of more cinematic storytelling in games. But setting the bar is is to me yeah. just not the way you talk about this medium. Yeah, it's it's too wide open. I think as far as as far as anyone trying to tell a story in this way, it set the bar. But like that's that's such a narrow field. That's like. You know, this is the best movie. Well, the best movie at what? Like, it's like that doesn't mean anything. Uh, and I kind of feel the same way with this one, where it's 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 great as a the story is telling. You know, in this way, but yeah, I, just, I feel like there's way too many way too avenues many variables. that you yeah. could go down. Absolutely, I think so too. And, and Morgan, I want to give you a chance. Hopefully you don't. <laughs> yeah, he had to have Rich you. go first so he could stretch and limber up to start pulling all this bullshit right out his ass. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Seems like a good time for a bathroom break for anyone. So it started with heavy rain. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Morgan. Seriously, that Great, is we're what gonna I talk was about actually, David Cage. I was actually gonna mention heavy rain here, but go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say for me the benchmarks that like off the top of my head are like uh, Metal Gear, Heavy Rain, uh, The Last of Us, Uncharted Four, uh, Near Red Dead Two. Those those are just the, some of the ones of narratively off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it's it's hard for me. It's weird because Uncharted Four came after, so I'm sure the tech was probably more impressive, but um, the themes in this were a little more effective. So it's it's hard for me to say. I mean. And it's the same company and everything, so the, the the quality of those narratively is so similar. It's just Nathan Drake is dealing with adult problems and treasure hunting, and one guy's trying not to let his daughter die. So it's just the the, the themes are heavier. I th- I think mm-hmm. also too it affects you specifically, Morgan, and other people at a point in time to which you experience it. Because I remember on Uncharted Four, you were really high on the relationship that Nathan and his wife build together. And that was, I think, particularly affecting for you at that time because that's when, you know, you were uh, getting back getting back together. Courting my wife, yeah. Mm-hmm. With your eventual now wife and, thing, and everything that came and happened during then. So, I mean, obviously you're going to be more drawn in during that time. Whereas now, you're kind of past that point in your guys' relationship in some regards. And you have children now, you have three daughters, and so you're going to be more affected by a situation where you'd have to defend your daughter. And The Last of Us is a perfect representation of that, which is interesting. But I don't, I don't know if I would say personally that 
this set the bar because I always think Heavy Rain for me has always set the bar um, in recent memory for look at Josh's face the way game stories are told I am not even paying attention the the smirk you instantly put across my and Rich's face right there was magical I agree at least at the time I think Heavy Rain was it was the 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 evolver the boundary pusher yeah I I absolutely loved Heavy Rain, and I th- I think that that really opened up for me personally being able to appreciate games like this or Uncharted Four or even God of War, which yeah. is much more like interactive movie yeah. gameplay. But I can understand if not everybody likes well, Heavy Rain. No, I think it it, is... it it probably hits you a little bit harder because you were just slightly too young for the choose your own adventure books. Um, I had some of those. I had some of those as a child. <laughs> okay, I, some... I think here's. I'm going to try and give you a compliment here. Heavy Rain is the most palatable of the works of David Cage. That's fair. I haven't really. Okay. I mean, I I, I played the demo that. to Detroit. So I mean, that's as far as I got in it. And I enjoyed the demo. Of what Detroit. was the demo? Was it just the intro? It was the uh, the, the sequence with Connor with the uh, the. The the rogue android on the roof. I played. Okay, it like yeah, that's the best part of the game. That is the best part of the that's, game by far. Connor's story is the best part of that game, yeah. and it loses itself pretty fast for it. Even yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I think from there, like if I had played The Last of Us right when it had come out, I think I would have been more affected by it. To be honest with you, and not that I'm not. I think it's a great story, and I think it does it a superb job at what it's trying to do. I would never say that it's the benchmark for me, I don't think. Uh and maybe my mind would be changed if I had played it right when it came out. I don't know. But okay, that's fair. I have one more question and then we can end this whole shin dig. What do you predict will happen in The Last of Us 2? Ooh, Morgan. I've been intentionally trying to keep my brain empty because I just want to feel that element of surprise. But um, I I know that from the what they've teased, uh, Ellie's getting into some sort of a relationship uh, there. It looks like romantic, and they're going to be able to try and pull on those heartstrings. It looks like Joel is back in some capacity. I somebody dropped this to me in the chat the other day. They said, "What if Joel is the bad guy now?" I don't know, like, what their take on that whole thing was, but it made me really think, like, "Holy shit!" Like, what if they really flip this thing on his on its heel somehow? Eh. But seems too heavy handed for me. It's just well, why would he? Yeah, I think, like we just talked about the ending of the first game, he was trying to take away any sort of, you know, guilt she would feel over not saving everybody after everything they went through. And, I mean, the obvious follow-up to that story, if we're going to go with the wide-open themes they gave us there, is she finds out. She, you know, it becomes obvious that she still has some sort of opportunity to save people. Um, To, quote-unquote, do the right thing. Yeah, and if Joel is still around, he's going to take issue with that still. So it it kind of whether or not yeah. he's the bad guy, it, there's obviously going to be conflict there. Um, yeah, so, not not a um, mustache twirling villain. Yeah, but some sort yeah, of conflict. Of yeah. yeah, but yeah, I, I, I think, do. I do think that there's plenty of territory mm-hmm. there for them to 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 um, to go in that direction. I think you know, 
story beats. Beyond that, I have no idea. But if I had to lay out like my my baseline prediction, I I do think the setup is going to involve some sort of Firefly remnant uh, interacting with whatever group uh, Joel and Ellie are now a part of, and it'll come to light to these people that Ellie is the little girl that you know. Uh, escaped their facility all those years ago and slaughtered most of their Something remaining forces. Comes, yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest with you, they, as much as I, I saw that trailer before I played this game, and the Firefly thing is not touched on that much in the game and just the beginning and the end, really. And yet the Fireflies is a huge part of that also, trailer. Uh, I mean, I, I, we don't have to get into this at all here, but I don't know if you guys played the, the DLC for the first game. Fuck, I meant to, and I still ha- I'm waiting to do you, that. But. You should. It does expand on, uh, I think it does a good job of characterizing Ellie a little bit more, and also okay. giving you a little bit more insight into the Fireflies. Cool. I need to play that as well. Um, can and I, it's, I it's a one-sitting, one-sit-down, yeah, like two, maybe three hours. Oh, cool. I have one, like, ten-second question for you guys, just like a, like Shay would say, one-word answer. Shay, com- did you prefer the combat in The Last of Us or Uncharted? Uncharted. Rich, Last of Us or Uncharted combat? Uncharted. Josh, Last of Us or Uncharted Combat? Uncharted is... It's it, it's better. They're trying to do different things because it's... I mean, obviously, they're trying to go for the horror vibe here. But... it The zombies still don't feel all that threatening in this game, but it still feels as clunky as most other horror games. So you kind of get the worst of both worlds, I think. And, and granted, it's I, still... It's not atrocious yeah. but i feel like they made it clunky like a horror game but not so resource scarce that every zombie is terrifying to you um, right see i'm on the other end of that just because uh uncharted was like a bombastic movie and you pretty much just picked up guns and shot them. yeah you shoot them uh, and then like throw that... them away as you run out of bullets it's kind of yeah that sort of thing I like that you there do? was um actually like rpg mechanics to this you actually had a workbench you could upgrade stuff it wasn't like amazing, well that's more than just the but... combat to me like that doesn't That's, translate one-to-one yeah, like one with the combat. Yeah, I did like that you were upgrading okay. stuff in in the game, but also I never felt like ammo was a resource at all through the game for the most part. And the encounters don't feel great. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of... I on that, Josh. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah, I felt the opposite. Interesting. I. It's interesting to me that Dead Space, the first Dead Space which I feel like is one of the pinnacles for horror gaming in terms of combat. What a game. Still feels like, in terms of horror games, that it is the benchmark years later. Um, And I feel like if... How would I word this? I feel like Mm. if The Last of Us took a little bit more, not a lot, just a little bit more from something like Dead Space, the combat would have probably felt a little bit better. But... I, I agree with Josh. I didn't feel like ammo was particularly a resource here. I mean, there were times where I ran out of ammo for one gun. Well, then I just used another gun. And I guess to its credit, most of these guns feel pretty well balanced, except the bow and arrow, which is just a <laughs> OP weapon there. A one-shot hit in, at any body part you happen to hit. Um, right. And recover that ammo, baby. Yeah. Right. Well, then... I think We're the reason fun I of that on stream, mm-hmm. how funny that was. Shot him in the dick. Oh, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. I thought he put uh, it on easy because I, on. I hadn't played it in a while, and I completely forgot that the arrow was just one hit kill everything. I'm like, you've got to have it on easy, right? Nope, the bow is just that strong. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that was like the first thing I said to Morgan in the chat when he was like getting into it. I'm like, just upgrade the bow. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
the, I don't know. I think maybe I would run out of ammo if I shot anything, but like if you don't have to use a gun, don't because it's not any fun to shoot in this game. Um, just kind of shiv until yep. You know you're out of shivs. Yep. I like the shotgun. I had fun using the shotgun. Use, use all the yeah. The shotgun's probably the best weapon in the game as far as just the feel of it. Um, the bow, sure. if it weren't so OP, would be an interesting weapon because of the whole, oh, I don't want to break stealth thing, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Super The shotgun is the best like that there was weapon, I think. Something to the upgrade system. Like, in Uncharted, it was like there was nothing there, and I just liked having that little bit of RPG there. That's all I'm saying. The okay. other gun that I feel... Man, I, I loved this sequence is when you sneak up on that building of that guy sniping you and then you finally get in there and you get to use a sniper rifle just for a few minutes while you're protecting Ellie and Henry and Sam as they're trying to make their way to you and you're sniping all those bandits that are coming at you and then you're starting to uh, snipe the infected that are coming and then you are overrun. I loved using that weapon because I was like, holy fuck, this feels so badass. And like at that moment, like, that's where it almost blended into being like uncharted level of combat where you just felt like a fucking badass and the gun felt super, super good. Like the sniper rifle was very powerful. It wasn't overpowered because it was easy to miss if you weren't careful, but it gave you enough power if you could control it. I really loved that. So I think that sequence feels right out of uncharted. Like it to, does. To just say what you're saying. It feels almost out of place to an extent uh like it, it could be inserted into an uncharted game seamlessly yeah it could have it could have been but alas maybe that's what led us into uncharted 4 in some regards or maybe uncharted bred that sequence but that's gonna wrap it up here we bread. thank you very much for hanging out with us as we recorded a very very our longest episode of chomping after dark but we clearly had a lot to say i feel like we could probably sit here for at least another half hour and talk about this game but alas it's time to move on so thank you for sitting here with us guys uh thank you to my fellow co-hosts rich josh and morgan and uh we will see you for the next episode of chomping after dark take care A game that has been heralded as one of the best games of the last decade. A game that has been lauded as... Excuse me. We're going to redo that because I just lauded. fucked up the pronunciation. Because you just lauded. said lauded. Yeah, I knew. Yeah. I, knew, I, knew I said yeah. I knew it as soon as I said it. I was like, what the fuck am I saying? Oh, you guys. It was lauded. It was lauded. All right, we're going to try that again. General Mountain Time. All right. Take two. That will go in the back end. I will put that as a blooper to be. I like that. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right. Aldrin is my favorite book. The Last of Us. No, it's not. A game that has been heralded as one of the best games of the last decade. A game that has been lauded. <laughs> Take three. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, all right. Gonna get through this fucking intro. And the it's 
The Last of Us. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> the Last of Us. A game that... <laughs> I think maybe we should count in again. Three. Two. One.